And so it is about taking what they are. And I think um, often you need a focus. And my focus is what is the heart of that person crying out for. Mm. And so if I can let that be my, uh, I got that from uh, Psalm 84, you know, our mm. heart cries out for the living God. And so, but people were a little confused about that. And mm -hmm. so we try to help them out. Welcome back to the Sand Hills Podcast. My name is Pastor John. Today we are talking about an incredibly important topic, which is how does the Christian church and how should the Christian church address the LGBTQ plus community? And to have that conversation, we have brought on Dr. Steve Johnson from CIU. Dr. Johnson, welcome to the show. Thank you, John. It is awesome to have you. I've had a class with you a couple of times at CIU while I was there in seminary. And the reason why we wanted to bring Dr. Johnson onto the show is I had an incredible class with him about a year and a half ago, uh, two years ago, that was all about human sexuality. And uh, for those of you that don't know, CIU is a Christian university. And so taking the class from a Christian perspective and learning about this, but not just um, uh, kind of church dogmatic answers, but looking at um, the psychology of sexuality and things like that, but from a biblical worldview was was incredible. And Dr. Johnson was the professor that led that, and so we thought he'd be the perfect guest. So uh, why don't you tell our, our audience a little bit about yourself and, and kind of run through a, a quick introduction. Um, before coming to uh, CIU, I was, um, you know, a professor. I mm -hmm. was a um, professor at Indiana University. I taught philosophy and um, English, English comm. My background is in chemistry and psychology. And then when I went mm. to grad school, I got the PhD in philosophy and uh, then went back and got another doctorate in, uh, in psychology. I worked and I continue to work with the Albert Ellis Institute. Um, mm. Albert Ellis was the founder of all cognitive uh, right. therapies. And so I studied under him and he specifically had me work on how to integrate religious content and practices into mm. psychotherapy. And uh, it was the first time that he had ever looked at that uh, issue. So it was great fun working all those years with yeah, him wow. on that. And then I uh, thought I was retiring and I got hired at uh, CIU. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. How did you, uh, what was your, your journey of, of faith coming into um, ending up at a Christian university and, and as a Christian professor now, how, how did that come about? Yeah. Um, come from a uh, Jewish and Christian mm. uh, background, which mm -hmm. uh, meant that I had no weekend, you know, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, good, good preparation on both, uh, on both sides. Um, I think in like a lot of people when I was in undergrad and grad school, wasn't that, you know, really interested in it mm -hmm. and then just kind of uh, started to, um, to grow into it and begin to study my roots, both Jewish and mm. Christian, and um, worked all that stuff out, and now I'm at CIU. Oh, wonderful. Well, when we talk about this conversation, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear someone say, you know, LGBTQ+. Um, the first thing is a big question mark is, mm. um, where is this going to go? Mm. Um, and are... Often discussions about this, I say, have to do with uh, parts and pronouns. And so um, which way are they going to go? Are they going to kind of narrow that down to 
just talk about body parts in particular configurations, some of right. which are okay, some of which aren't? Or mm. are they going to be concerned about pro uh, pronouns and then look more mm. at uh, identity? So I'm always just curious about where that conversation will go. Mm. And how would you define LGBTQ plus then when we, when we have this conversation? Yeah, I mean, there are, as I tell my students who are there, there is mm -hmm. a, the way scientists will tend to look at this and then, um, then people need to figure that out mm -hmm. from a faith perspective. And I, as you know, as a student, I really put the onus on the students to work mm -hmm. that, uh, work the latter out. And I was just throwing a lot of science in there at them to try to help them be able to speak intelligibly to, um, to individuals that they're going to be uh, around and are around all, all the time. So I, but there we do look at um, the difference in terms of, um, you know, for example, like sexual orientation, um, uh, you know, whether it's like, uh, and, and we put these on like a continuum from mm -hmm. like pure um, homosexuality, pure heterosexuality, most people you know, waffle on those ends, but mm. there's a, a lot of flexibility even today. There's more flexibility than when I went to school mm -hmm. in terms of people will openly say that they're fluid or queer so that they don't want uh, to, they don't even like that consume. They don't even like mm. the label. So a lot of different categorizations out there. And I kind of take it as the person I'm dealing with right in front of me to mm -hmm. say what, what do they like? What label do they use? Because that's the starting point, right? Mm -hmm. Is to find that common ground of conversations, yeah. you know, and help meet the people where they're at and, and have those conversations. Yeah, and, and oftentimes uh, uh, someone asked me not too long ago, what's it like to be a psychologist and work with someone? And I said, the best preparation is to watch Raiders of the Lost Ark, <laughs> you know? Um, and there's this one scene I love where Indiana Jones is with Sala, a little guy from Egypt, and he goes, mm -hmm. what do we do next? He goes, I don't know. I'm making this up as I go along. You know <laughs> what I mean? And so it is about taking what they are. And I think um, often you need a focus. And my focus is what is the heart of that person crying out for? Mm -hmm. And so if I can let that be my... Uh, I had got that from uh, Psalm 84, you know, our mm. heart cries out for the living God. And so, but people are a little confused about that. And mm -hmm. so we try to help them out. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the biggest parts of this conversation. When we talk about Christian engagement with the LGBTQ plus community, it can often, uh, I feel when we look at how the Christian church in particular has handled this subject over the last 20 years, it's been very uh, political mm. versus very scriptural as you can see. Um, and I think back even to, um, in my own experience, when I was at Fort Leavenworth uh, in Kansas as a, as a kid in the military community, um, the Westboro Baptist Church would protest Whoa. military funerals. Um, and I would see them outside of the gate with signs saying, you know, uh, God hates homosexuals and, you know, you're going to hell and all this stuff. And I, that was really hard for me to see. Even as a kid, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, what is that? And that became people's perspective of the church in regards to this conversation. And so I think when you mentioned that idea of how do we meet them where they're at and, the, and they're, they're crying out for something. So how do we talk to people? And everyone's crying out for something. Mm. Everyone desires to be heard and recognized and seen. And shouldn't the church be leading that in love? And so I think that's absolutely true, that idea of how, how do we find someone where they're at? How do we meet them where they're at? And how do we communicate them in a way that they feel 
heard and, and valued mm. as a person. And it wasn't not only on the, that issue, but uh, you're too young, but way back in the early 80s when AIDS hit, before it was called mm. AIDS, it was called GRID. And um, the first people to speak to this issue, because people are like, what's going on? What's happening? Mm -hmm. And of course, it was tied to sexuality, they mm -hmm. thought in some general way. Although they knew Haitians were spreading it too, they thought. Mm -hmm. And so the first people to speak were televangelists. And mm -hmm. they said it was a punishment from God. And so that kind of mm -hmm. set the stage. And in, in, in the church was trying to figure out, given that was the first voice that was out there, how do we respond mm -hmm. in love? You know, Absolutely. And it's, it's, it's such a sad missed opportunity for the church that that's how the televangelists first addressed it. Because the thing that I always think of... Um, when the televangelists in, in the 80s are talking about things like that, specifically in terms to an illness that's going around, mm. you think of the lepers of the Old Testament and the New Testament, and Jesus didn't walk up to them and be like, see, this is a punishment from God. Right. He came and he loved them, and he talked to them, and he went to them when no one else would. Um, and so looking back at the Christian historical response over, I mean historical, the last 50, 60 years, and seeing that the response isn't love and reaching out and going to the people that society was casting to the side. Um, and that the church didn't go to them and love them and meet them where they were at. Mm. You're right. Set that stage for how is the church going to be perceived in this conversation? And now uh, the difficult task of, of, of turning that around and, and walking in love. And I think part of that is that if you don't um, walk in love on that, then you will lose the right to have your voice heard mm. and have any influence whatsoever. You'll just be discounted and irrelevant. Mm -hmm. And um, then you will have to try to claw your way back into mm -hmm. relevance. You know? Right. And, and, and even into friendships or, or family dynamics uh, for people yep. who have uh, these conversations, they can often uh, be far too aggressive, far too rude and, and, and real hearts be broken over this. And yeah. so as we talk about this conversation, what are some things you think scripture speaks to in regards to sexual orientation? Well, I, th I think it does an, you know, predictably an absolutely fantastic job hmm. in that, um, and we don't listen to it in that, um, when for even that Psalm 84, when we're talking about that, our hearts cry out for the living God, mm -hmm. that's, Everyone, it's not based upon sexuality at all. Right. Sexual orientation is irrelevant to mm -hmm. those verses, or nothing can separate us from the love of God. Mm -hmm. That's for all of us, mm -hmm. right? Um, you're stuck with God, and He's stuck with you, right? right? And that's the way it should be, and that's wonderful mm -hmm. and good, good news. And I think it, what we tend to, um, what we tend to do then is to narrow the scope of the conversation. Mm-hmm. When scripture's talking, really it's talking about where do we find our identity, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. where, where do we find meaning and purpose in our, in our, our, our identity? And it's so about uh, relationship. But we, in a sense, decontextualize it. And as I was saying at the very beginning, I think the conversation then becomes about parts and, mm -hmm. and pronouns. Mm -hmm. And that's not what God's about so much about parts and pronouns, you know? And um, and that's and that's uh, and that's problematical. We're talking about the whole person. And if I go back into the Old Testament, um, to, in you know Torah, mm -hmm. then um, when there's a word to describe humans, it's nefesh. Mm -hmm. It is one 
entity, right. one being. And then epistemologically later on, we carve that up into parts. But mm-hmm. the reality is it created as one being, mm-hmm. integrated. Absolutely. And that's uh, that aspect of identity that scripture speaks to identity. Um, it's important. One of the one of the greatest things that I heard, and this was on a panel of uh, of speakers, and Jackie Hill Perry uh, was on there, and she's very famous for her book "Gay Girl, Good God," where mm. she talked about her journey um, from a homosexual relationship to her experience with the Lord, and now being in a heterosexual marriage. Um, and it's been uh, a landmark book uh, in the last five years that's come out. But on that panel, someone said. And it was so, so well said, but they said, the, the world wants you to base your identity off of your sexuality, but God wants you to base your identity off of your spirituality. In essence, are you allowing your identity to be about him and God, or are you allowing it to be about something, some aspect of yourself? Um, yeah. And kind of taking a part of the whole and saying, this is the whole now. Yeah. And as a psychologist, I see this as problematical whatever your sexual orientation is, Mm -hmm. that we, if I look at it just in terms of emotions, the, if those individuals who tend to gravitate more toward depression and anxiety, et cetera, one of the things that we need to do, and especially in treating people with PTSD who have been Mm -hmm. tremendously shattered and the sense of self has been deeply wounded and, Mm. and they're highly symptomatic is we find that, we need to move them beyond um, the brokenness to these transcendent values. Mm-hmm. And where are we going to get transcendent values? You know, right. I mean, we're the society's not going to be talking about transcendent values. I mean, um, we woke up for a little while in the summer and started talking about justice, but we shut that conversation down pretty quickly. Mm. And now we're, you know, blaming, uh, blaming groups rather than looking at our transcendent, mm-hmm. uh, transcendent, um, uh, transcendent values. And so I think it is the, the, um, responsibility is kind of on us. I mean, there have mm-hmm. always been these voices that are saying, um, we, it is about, it is about relationship and relationship with each other, God and those transcendent, uh, values. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, if we can if we can do that, then all kinds of benefits uh, come. Even if we go all the way back to Martin Buber, uh, a wonderful uh, Jewish um, writer who wrote a book called "I and Thou." I mean, a Christian could have written this book, right? Mm-hmm. Anybody. But it is about um, how am I going to be in relationship to you? Am I going to be in relationship to you in your wholeness? Mm-hmm. Or am I going to be seeing you as an it, you mm, know? Mm-hmm. And if we just reduce someone to um, the object of our, you know, sexual desire or whatever, we have reduced them to an it rather than mm. into a whole um, thou, mm. you know, and have a, a whole relationship. And in psychology, we call this psychopathology. If an individual in relationship to another person has sexual gratification over a part of the individual rather than the whole, and cannot be in relationship mm. to the whole, we call that a paraphilia, right? It's mm. a diagnosable uh, condition. So this is problematical across the board. And so I think if we can move people to the transcendent values and mm. really authentic relationship with whole people, right. then we could do far better. Absolutely. And that's where it seems the church... Uh, by and large has had such difficulty is is looking at someone more than just their sin mm. 
And unfortunately, it has been so laser focused on the, the homosexual sin, but it has often then ignored things like pride or things like heterosexual lust, even that get a hand wave. But then something like this becomes, oh, this is the one thing, right? And then the church doesn't engage the whole person. They just engage one aspect of them. And I do think pride is a huge issue mm-hmm. because often going back to the very first question that you opened with is when I hear LGBT, what am I thinking about? And I'm really interested in the motives of the individual who's mm-hmm. asking me about the question because what's the agenda? Are they wanting to find a way that they can label this person as defective but not me mm-hmm. and that I'm in the in the right tribe and mm-hmm. in the right camp and you're in the wrong one. Mm. And so pride enters into um, into that one. When the truth is, we're all a mess. Absolutely. And so um, we just major in different messes, you know? Mm-hmm. Right, that's absolutely true. And, and that gets back to that aspect, that Christ didn't come uh, to, to put you in, you know, the right or wrong camp in these little specific issues. He came to transform entire lives. And, and to take your identity away from the broken things and give you his perfect identity. Um, and like you talked about, you know, where can you get transcendent values from? You certainly can't get it from something that is, you know, on the broken side of it. You have to reach beyond. Uh, and so in the same way, if, if we want a full identity, we have to get it from someone who's had the perfect identity. Right. And that's what Christ offers us, a <laughs> new life, uh, truly. And so um, on that topic kind of you know speak of jesus christ you know who's uh who is god and so we think about god and we think about the old testament the new testament is is god a sexual being that's that's one of the questions that we've gotten a lot Mm. when we wanted to talk about this our our viewers were like well is god a sexual being what does that mean Uh, i often think about pardon me i'll be a a philosopher for a minute Mm -hmm. um um in the early philosophy when they were asking about how would you describe going to be God is that in which nothing greater can be conceived, mm. right? And whatever idea you have, and he's greater than that, mm-hmm. right? And so for me, when someone asks about the sexuality, I'm like, well, let's open it up mm. to, because it's a rather narrow way to look at God in terms mm. of sexuality. Let's look at what I think would be a much more general and powerful characteristic is, is God relational? Mm. And if God is relational in what does he... Um, uh, how does he relate to us? Uh, if I can give a vignette. Please. I was at, um, at the Albert Ellis Institute, and they do a thing called Friday Night Live. It's terrifying for the therapist, and it's nice for the people who are <laughs> attending because there's like 150, 100, 150 people who come, and there'll be two volunteers sequentially, and they'll come up, and we don't know what they're going to talk about. Oh. And so they wow. hit us with <laughs> what it is, and we have like 30, 40 minutes to, to help them out, right? Right. And um, this young man, and in fact, I just posted this on Facebook, mm-hmm. you could see it, is um, he came up and he, before, and he says, I would need to talk to Dr. Johnson because I've got a problem and only he can help me. And I'm like, wow. whoa, you know, <laughs> out of all New York, that's kind of amazing, you know? <laughs> and so, um, but what he was, what he was worried about was, am I the person that's someone, a young lady should want if she wants to be married to a whole person, mm. right? And so his problem was um, a pornography. That's what he mm-hmm. he um, he he struggled with. And so my task that evening 
because he was putting himself down and putting himself down and said, I'm, I'm um, not going to date until I get myself per- perfect. And I go, but your goal is dating, right? I said, mm-hmm. yeah, but so waiting for perfe- perfection, is that kind of getting in the way of dating? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and so, um, and I think the, the issue that was there, and I think the issue for all of us mm. is unconditional self-acceptance and the unconditional acceptance of that other person with their imperfection mm. so that we don't have a superior attitude toward them or even about ourselves, mm. that we are here you know, um, united and we can help, uh, we can help each other. Now there are things that we do wrong and that we need to right. kind of correct. And the question that might help guide us is then what are you going to do to reach those transcendent values and glorify mm. God in that process? But if that can be our focus rather than, you know, what tribe am I in? And right. Am I in the right one? Mm-hmm. And am I good and they're bad? Or mm-hmm. I'm, you know, whatever, which is just tchotchke. That's just nonsense, right? right? So. And I, th- I think that takes me back to what Jesus says uh, when he says, you, you know the greatest commandment, which is, you know, to love the Lord your God with all your soul, mind, strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. But then he says, but I'm giving you a new commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. And a lot of people talk about, you know, the, those first two commandments, but I, I love that Jesus made it new because it goes to that unconditional acceptance part. Now, that doesn't mean uh, that everything the other person does gets a free pass, right? But it means I'm going to meet you where you're at. I'm going to love you where you're at mm. because Christ has met me where I'm at and has loved me where I'm at, even at my worst. And he has walked with me through those times and has, again, those transcendent values. He has taken me to those places as I've allowed him to take me. Um, and so I think that's an important thing for Christians to remember as well, especially in addressing this this topic, is remember where Christ has met you. Uh, and love the other people as he's loved you first. And I like that passage, and it begins mm-hmm. with a prayer that is the a prayer that Jews say several times a day: mm. "Hear, O Israel, the Lord, the Lord your God is one." Therefore, mm. thou shalt. And so it is like, let me set the stage with, with who I am. Mm. You know, the one God, the transcendent among all transcendent. All transcendentals mm. are in Him and from Him, right? And so. Let that be your focus. Right. And there are consequences because this one is a relational one mm-hmm. and I am making you relational beings too. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And so when that goes back to the question of, you know, is God a sexual being? You look at him and you say, he's a relational being. And when Moses asked him, you know, who am I? When they asked me who sent me, what do I say? You know, he doesn't say, oh, oh he sent me. She sent me. He says, I am. That's it. That's the end. That's a, I am who I am. And that's the best that uh, God has done. And, and then he uses male pronouns um, and expresses himself in the masculine, which is his own choosing, which I think then we should honor that. If that's what he's chosen to express himself as. Uh, but you see this aspect that God is not a sexual being in the way that we would think of it. Right. right? But he is uh, a loving God and he wants relationship with us. And he's wanted that since the beginning. Yeah. Um, and to try and pinpoint God to just a, a sexual being would be to make far too little of his glory, right? Yeah. Um, and I like that I am. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I am, I am. And I think that I is the fundamental reality of us. Mm. And from that reality, we get he, she, etc. cetera, right? right? But the fundamental reality is that we are I, that we have this... Um, this identity and we share humanity with all Mm. that we share humanity with all people, which is a great leveling ground. And I've often wondered um, if we were writing that, would we have 
not said the way that God <laughs> said that, we would want to stick that pronoun in there right. real fast. You know what I mean? But he didn't. Mm-hmm. He didn't. Absolutely. So when we talk about, um, you've, you've talked about kind of your psychology background and uh, one of the questions that we had is, you know, what's a healthy perspective of, of sexual orientation from a psychological point of view? And, and is that different than what scripture says a healthy perspective of sexuality is? Well, I, I think it's consistent across the board that mm. our sexuality should always be grounded in the unconditional acceptance of the self and that other being and glorification of God. If it's not, it's perverted, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Which means what? A good chunk of what we do is kind of a perversion of that of that ideal, right? Right. Now, I I think we can go um, uh, Yiddish here, a little mashugana here, right? <laughs> I mean, and, and get a little nutty on this in the sense that, oh, does that mean that I can't lust after my spouse or something like that? I'm like, get a grip here you know we mm-hmm. pleasure is not something that god is uh, certainly against in any mm-hmm. in any way that we have to have a healthy perspective on on pleasure but it's not um it's not pleasure only it needs to edify mm-hmm. and build up that um, that other that other person and i think it was Immanuel kant who helped me even see that another philosopher mm-hmm. and he said um he talked about the categorical imperative, but even more fundamental than that was always treat an other as an end and never as a means only. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And if we can remember that now, that's very hard to do. I mean, it, we go to restaurants and the waiter or the waitress comes, we are treating them as a means to an end to get the food <laughs> to us. Right? right. But he said means only. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's so much in culture when we're looking at sexuality and we were looking upon someone in an unhealthy way sexually, we are looking at them as a means, Mm. not as an end within themselves. And I think God is always looking to the end. Why? Because Mm. the end is the ideal. Absolutely. And that gets into uh, just some of the heartbreaking things that we see in the world of how the world sees uh, sex, sexual orientation, sexuality. And you see that first thing we talked about with the idea of pride and, and saying, you know, I am so great that seeking my pleasure is the greatest thing and it doesn't matter about you. Um, and, and that is really the thing that it, God doesn't call us to be, you know, heterosexual as he is heterosexual. He calls us to be holy as he is holy. Uh, and, and that's the biggest thing is to, is to walk in that idea of that Everyone's been made in the image of God. Everyone has human dignity. And that aspect of treating the person uh, as, as an I and, and treating them uh, with the dignity that they deserve is, is crucial to this conversation. I, I, I think so. And I think that we've gone too far maybe as a culture. Now, please don't hear me <laughs> saying what people, some people think I am. I'm all for freedoms. Mm-hmm. I really... Um, like freedom, but freedom without responsibility is not freedom. It's license. Mm. And so I think that's the problem. Often we, we think that we should have the freedom to do anything that we want vis-a-vis anyone. Mm-hmm. That's license. That's not uh, freedom. I, uh, one great writer said, the um, uh, Victor Frankl said it once too, uh, was that in the United States we have the Statue of Liberty on one one coast, we need the statue of responsibility on the other coast yeah. to balance it out, right? Because we don't like that. We mm. want we want our freedom, but we don't have the responsibility. But that's not to be a mature human being, and that's not being a person of faith. Mm. Absolutely. 
one of the other questions that we've gotten um, was about the historical psychological perspective of LGBTQ plus issues. And have they changed over the last 20 years and how have they changed? Well, they're um, in psychology, you know, as a science, we will never say this is the way it is and this is the way it is forever because mm-hmm. we would see as a science, you know, when we're looking at things scientifically, we kind of asymptotically approach the truth, realizing that science will never get you to the full truth, mm-hmm. right? They're doing the best they can and science does help. I mean, it's helped us during COVID. It's doing all mm-hmm. kinds Absolutely. of things. I always say um, science is keeping this old body alive because right. <laughs> of all the pre-existing conditions that I have, etc. But, um, and but there's also culture and culture and psychology kind of influence each other. Mm-hmm. And so right now, for example, on um, um, sexual identity or orientation, especially on the issues of gender, the in psychology, we tend to say that culture, I mean, that gender is culturally um, um, a cultural category mm. and that sex is a biological category and that those mm. two are quite uh, quite different and i think the trouble is in when uh, christians will see an identity relationship between those two um that right now the culture separates um those two and psychology will tend to separate those two makes it very difficult to have conversations and then we Mm. get trapped in those in the categories and and don't realize we need to kind of move beyond those categories mm-hmm. um, and use those conversations that start with those categories as opportunities to reach out to that person in love. Mm, absolutely. Uh, so, I mean, that really addresses the idea of how should the church engage these conversations? Again, we get back to that whole aspect of, of truth with love of yeah. saying, you know, even if a Christian disagrees with the lifestyle, walking into that conversation with love in mind and not, I'm going to, I'm going to fix you into what I think you should look like. Um, There was a wonderful thing that I saw. Um, It was at a uh, street fair. And uh, I think there was a whole section that was LG, uh, LGBTQ. Mm -hmm. And um, the church, I think it was an evangelical church went and set up a booth Mm. so that people that the LGBT members in that community could come in so that the church could confess their sin to the LGBT community. Wow. And um, there were many tears Mm. from the member of the LGBT community who were deeply touched by a church that will see its flaws and that reach out to individuals in love. So I think Mm. we, you know, in the church, a synagogue, mosque, whatever, have some confessing to do, Mm. right? Um, we're not declaring individuals to be, you know, everybody on the other side is right or wrong, et cetera. I don't even like to look at the other side. You know what I mean? I'm like, we're in this together and we can help each other. But I thought that was a, that was a nice act, um, Mm -hmm. to, um, to engage in. And, and it comes from an attitude toward the other person, right? Right. And that's, and an attitude toward the self. Right. Absolutely. And I think that that's, a part of the conversation as well, because uh, one of the things that I hear when someone's asking, well, you know, if I'm evangelizing to a friend of mine and telling them about, you know, who Jesus is, and and I know that they're a practicing member of the homosexual community, do I, and they ask me, well, do I have to be straight now? 
how do you answer that question? And I think the, the biggest thing is, you know, when we talk about Jesus and offering someone salvation, the, the goal is not to create someone that looks like you. It's to create someone that looks like Christ and mm-hmm. to allow the Holy Spirit to, to, um, uh, talk to them and speak with them and move them and guide them along and, and, and raise them up in sanctification. And it's our job to walk in love alongside them. Uh, I, and I think that's one of the big conversations that, that people need to have, uh, when it comes to evangelism is that idea of, okay, I'm not trying to recreate myself here. I'm trying yeah. to recreate Christ. And again, go to that trans, those transcendent values that Christ has given us, um, in the word. And I think those conversations, I think we should, I'm, who am I to say that we should? But I'm, I'm, mm. my recommendation would be that we don't see this as a, a, a one-time thing. Mm. But this is a process. Mm-hmm. And, this is life. Yeah, yeah, and we can't rush that. If we do, then we, um, then I think that comes out of unhelpful beliefs that I've got to do it right now, and that's mm-hmm. terrible if we don't. Easy, you know. Mm-hmm. The world doesn't depend completely on you here. You know, right. we're going to take this, uh, take this, um, take this um, uh, slowly. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a, I was at a friend of mine who was a pastor and I went to his church on Easter and um, there was this uh, individual that was really angry and ran out of the service. And so they oh, wow. um, they said, um, someone came over and said, you're a psychologist, aren't you? And I went, yeah, what, what's wrong? <laughs> and so, um, so this guy came over and... Um, he was really, really upset mm-hmm. and that the pastor didn't give all his presuppositions for the sermon. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, come on, man, why would he do this? He's got an audience that already knows the presuppositions. You know right. what I mean? Why would he spell this out? Mm-hmm. And he says, but he just said that people are going to get sucked up into the sky. You know? <laughs> <And> <laughs> who believes such a thing? And I said, man, there's a lot that needs to be talked about before we worry about sucking up into the sky. You know what I mean? This is a process and Mm. there's so many more fundamentals. And, and if we start getting caught up in things before we talk about the basics and even about basic relationships and love and, Mm. and, you know, again, that unconditional acceptance of that other person, then, um, then we, you know, really get ahead of ourselves. And I think often, my experience as a again as a psychologist is when people come to me they want to know whether i'm a safe person mm-hmm. to to unburden you know and that part of my goal as a therapist is to sit there and listen and not run out of the room you right, know what i mean right. because we hear some amazing things but they want to know that they can be loved Mm. Un, un, unconditionally and that's a powerful powerful experience and it's really sad in many ways that we have to pay for that relationship in in the world um, look i mean i deal with mental disorders you know mm-hmm. we will need professionals there but a lot of what i have to do um can be done by other other people if they will yeah. just listen very deeply and non-judgmentally absolutely and i think as Christians seek to engage conversations with people who, um, you know, they would see, you know, this is uh, a sin and they would say these things. Well, you should, when, when Christians think about this, we should engage this conversation the same we would with any number of sin. If someone's a glutton, if someone is prideful. If now you're is just meddling. Right? <laughs> <laughs> is whenever someone is having these struggles, yeah. right, to, to overcome sin and temptation, be the safe place to, to let them 
let them feel loved and, and to listen. Because again, our job is not to, to convict, but to walk alongside. And like you said, love and accept them because it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict and to change and to transform. And when, when we help that process by being a, a brother or a sister in those moments, I think that the, the Spirit's glorified and, and can do its work even better as a person knows that there's community in a safe place. And so as you, as you mentioned, is the church could be marked as a, as a safe place of, of loving people that will listen and, and allow you to, to talk and share? Or is it going to be a place saying, you know, don't come here until you're perfect, like that that guy who was saying, I'm going to be perfect before I start dating, right? Yeah. Because Christ loves us enough to take us where we're at, and he loves us enough to not leave us that way, no matter what you're dealing with. And it just makes sense. If we think mm-hmm. about how we uh, approach a stranger, you know, like, hi, how are you doing? It's, you know, like... Mm-hmm. And so if we, if someone tells us, you know, I'm in the LGBT community and we go after them, that's like telling someone, well, you know, your dad's a pedophile and your mom wears army boots. Mm-hmm. Do you want to join a church? I mean, <laughs> come on. Right. <laughs> it doesn't go that way. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So as we, um, this has been a wonderful conversation and I'm very thankful for it. And I think our, our, our viewers and listeners will be very uh, blessed and edified by it. But as we're kind of closing, if you could say one thing uh, to every person who's maybe questioning their sexual orientation, um, who would identify as a Christian as well, what's, what's something you would say to them? Um, I, would, I would say um, don't, don't keep it secret. I mm. mean, I'm not saying run in into the church, grab the mic from the pastor and making a big announcement. That's not, that's not acting out of wisdom, Mm -hmm. but I think, um, share with, um, share with people that you think will be um, responsible and, and that, um, that you have watched, um, and how they Mm. react to, um, react to, um, people. And, and the other thing is to be prepared Mm. that there will be people who may not respond in the way that you would um, hope. That's mm-hmm. true for all Anything, kinds of absolutely. things, you know? And you don't get that guarantee in life that mm-hmm. that every conversation is going to be safe and that every conversation is going to work out. That's just not reality. Mm-hmm. But as in anything, you know, we are always trying to figure people out. In fact, God built that into our being. He's mm-hmm. created mirror neurons right. that help us connect with other people and can anticipate what they're going to do, right? Mm-hmm. And so use those mirror neurons and, 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 and kind of size people up and take the risk, mm. you know, take the risk, a reasonable, a, a reasonable, um, a reasonable risk. And, um, because sometimes if you don't talk it out, you can act it out in ways mm. that are not really helpful. And so we don't want people acting out in ways that could be quite harmful to themselves psychologically or physically or anything. I mean, whatever your sexual orientation right. is, right? I mean, everything I've said today is about every, every everything. sexual orientation, mm-hmm. right? It's not just uh, um, peculiar to or spe- uh, specific to LGBT, but have the conversations, talk, have ongoing conversations, and realize that those conversations may not be easy at times. Mm-hmm. But getting through it is really, really, um, really, really valuable. And if you can, really work on un- unconditionally accepting mm-hmm. yourself as, and you know what, that was the very thing that worked with that young man who came at the end of the, mm-hmm. that um, uh, Friday Night Live. I, I, when I said, um, what would it be like for you if you accepted yourself in the way that God accepted you? 
Mm. And then he went, life would be a lot easier, wouldn't it? I don't know. Mm. Yeah. And that would be a lot easier and a lot more productive. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for, for coming on the show and, and for discussing this topic with us. It's been, it's been a pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks so much, Sean. Thank you. Well, don't forget uh, to like, subscribe, and share with a friend. These are needed conversations and conversations we hope are a blessing to you and a benefit to you as uh, you walk in the world as, as a light. So thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you have an awesome week.